All right, David, thank you so much for leading us in that time of singing and praise. And now, friends, it is time for our study of God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And we're continuing our special Christmas series that we are calling The Spirit of Christmas. And the spirit of the Spirit of Christmas is capital S Spirit. We are referring to the Holy Spirit. Many people talk about the Spirit of Christmas. Oh, I love uh, family and friends and hot chocolate and fires and snow. And they think of that as the Spirit of Christmas. But as we're seeing in the Gospel of Luke, what Luke wants to show us is that it's all about the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of Christmas, who unites believers to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who produces the genuine experience of all those things people in the world seek but can never ultimately find true love, true peace, true hope, and today we will discuss true joy. So let's go ahead and we'll read the text together, we'll pray, and we'll get into our study. Gospel according to Luke chapter 1, 39 through 45. This is God's word. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we would just ask for your blessing now over this study of your word, Lord. We pray that our hearts and ears would be open to whatever the Holy Spirit would say to us today. Lord, we just pray that we would pay attention to how Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. It is all about him, all about bringing glory and honor to him. It is about how the stories and events of our lives connect with his story. And so, Lord, I just pray that today as we discuss this subject of true joy, that you would grant us this true joy, Lord, and that we would experience it and live in it and invite others to experience it. We ask for a blessing now over this study. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I'm calling this study today True Joy. And again, I believe joy is one of those things that I think everybody would want. Uh, maybe people use the word happiness. I want to be happy. I want to do the things that make me happy. Everybody says that. But of course, that's what human beings have wanted ever since the beginning of the world. People have said that they want to be happy, but people haven't always disagreed on how happiness is found or even how happiness is defined. One way that Christians have addressed it is to say that there's a difference between happiness and joy. 
And what we mean by making a distinction between those two words is that happiness is more of a an, sort of an emotional, biochemical feeling that you have. It could be connected to certain experiences or situations in life, um, and other times maybe it's not there. There's nothing outside external to yourself causing it, and yet you find you have it anyway, or vice versa. You've got plenty of reasons to be happy, but for some reason you don't feel it. So a lot of people, they think of happiness as, as being kind of a feeling, and it's somehow tied to uh, your biochemical processes. But what Christians want to say is that joy is, is like that, it includes that, but it's something deeper that joy reaches down past simply the human body, the human machine, and it touches on the human soul. And so joy is something that can transcend happiness. It can transcend what our bodies are necessarily able to sense or transcend whatever our external circumstances might be. Joy comes from somewhere else, and therefore, whatever is here in this life can't actually take that joy away. And it's this joy that we're going to call true joy today that is being offered in the Christmas story. And so I want to make three points as we walk through just these six verses. And the first point is going to be this. True joy compels mission. True joy compels mission. Let's look at the first two verses here. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now notice what it says. It says, Mary arose and went with haste. Now why was she hasty? Why was she just running? Why, why was she rushing out her door? What was it that compelled her to go? Well, many people might think, well, okay, so the angel appeared to her, he announced to her that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, and then he also announced that your relative Elizabeth, who was called barren, is already pregnant, and so maybe maybe Mary is skeptical. Maybe like some of us, when someone tells you something about God or tells you something about the Bible or about Christianity, you, you run, you're hasty, but you're hasty to try to disprove it. You don't really believe it, and you want to shut it out of your mind, or you want to just shut down this person, this nagging Christian person that keeps telling you, hey, you really ought to read the Bible, you really ought to trust Jesus, the Bible's the Word of God, etc., etc. But that's not the case here, friends. We know that because we are already told Mary believed. In contrast to Zacharias, you'll remember, who also was visited by the very same angel Gabriel. Zacharias, who was a priest and ought to have believed, did not believe. But Mary, in contrast, believed the moment the angel spoke to her. She believed. And so what's happening here 
is not birthed out of skepticism. It's not birthed out of a desire to disprove something. It's not even birthed out of the idea of, okay, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not just sort of a, you know, a guarded optimism. No, what I want to suggest to you today, friends, is that she is being compelled by joy, that it's actually for true joy that she is running forward to see what God is doing and to be a part of it. So it's true joy, compelling mission. Now, you might say, well, where do you get that joy? So I, I get, I remember, she believed, so this isn't out of skepticism she's going, but where do we get the joy part? Well, it's actually a part of what the angel said to Mary. So if you actually go back to what the angel said in verse 28, this is what Gabriel said. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So the angel appeared to her and said, rejoice. What I'm bringing to you is good news. And so Mary received that good news. She received that command to rejoice. She believed the angel. And so we know it is actually true joy, joy of what the angel has told her about herself, about her vocation to be the mother of the Messiah, and joy that her relative Elizabeth, who was called barren, is also pregnant, and so it is joy compelling this mission. Now again, for some of us, we might think, well, happiness can kind of do that. Yeah, but happiness tends to not last very long. Happiness can, sure, you might get a phone call, get a text message, you got some good news, so you run out the door down the street, but then, you know, maybe the happiness wears off a little bit later. Now, Mary actually had to go on a journey to get to Elizabeth's place. So we don't know the exact town where she's at, but we do know the region. It says it's in the hill country of Judah. So this is approximately 80 to 100 miles south of where Nazareth is. So you remember Mary is in Nazareth, so she's traveling 80 to 100 miles. That's gonna take her three to four days, friends. And there's no information about whether she was accompanied by anyone. And it seems like, uh, gosh, that might even be kind of dangerous, a young lady making uh, that journey on her own. Maybe she went with people. Maybe she didn't. We don't know. We're not told that. Um, interestingly, to this day, there is a little village called Ain Karem. And Ain Karem is a village of about 2,000 people. You can go there today in Israel if you were able to travel there. And interestingly, this little village, I'm sure most of you probably have never heard of Ain Karem, but this little village of 2,000 people is visited by 3 million people every year. 3 million people visit this little village today called Ain Karem. And that is because since the 6th century A.D., Christians have identified Ain Karem as the city that Mary went to to visit Elizabeth. Again, do we know for sure? No, but there's quite a bit of Christian history, about 1,400 years of tradition supporting that place. So kind of a, an amazing idea that you might actually be able to go and make this very journey that Mary made back then. But all that to say, this is something where Mary had to embark on a journey. 
And friends, that's what you and I are being called to do as well. To be a Christian is to embark on a great journey. It is an epic. It is an adventure. And it's not supposed to be guilt and shame driving the journey. Now, don't get me wrong. Guilt and shame may drive us to the cross. But it's through the cross, once we've entered through the cross with our guilt, our shame, our sin, our sorrows, once we've come to Christ, we now embark on the great journey. And it is no longer guilt, shame, sin, fear of judgment that is compelling our mission. Rather, friends, it is true joy. Just like Mary, joy should be compelling our mission in the world. Even today, many Christians, they, they've they lost their joy and they wonder why. But if you ask those same believers, many times they are people who no longer serve the Lord. They don't serve the Lord. They don't evangelize. They don't give and support and, and be a part of what God's doing in missions or anything else. And friends, this is not a, a guilting people into doing the right thing. This is about helping people to experience true joy. Because true joy compels mission. It compels obedience. We delight to do the will of God. We delight to do all the things God has given us to do. So I want to encourage you, just like Mary, it is true joy that is meant to compel our life of mission. And when people see that our mission, our work, is truly birthed from joy, people actually want that. They want to know, where do you get this joy? If it's just, oh gosh, I got to hand out these tracts, you know, or otherwise I won't get my badge at church or something. Like, nobody is probably going to be into that. Well, maybe, you know, cult member or something. But honestly, the, the beautiful thing about orthodox, genuine Christianity is it's birthed out of joy. And so true joy should compel our mission. Secondly, true joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Number two, true joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verses 41 through 44. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb. So, friends, again, you'll notice we've been calling this series The Spirit of Christmas, talking about how the Holy Spirit's fingerprints are all over the Christmas story. And so here we see Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit. We weren't even told prior that Elizabeth was going to receive this filling of the Spirit. If you remember, rather, when Gabriel appeared to Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias, who did he say would be filled with the Spirit? John the Baptist. It's John the Baptist that is going to be filled with the Spirit. And yet here we are. It is as though when the Spirit is moving, the Spirit overflows from one person to another. We see the babe within her womb leap 
And she's going to explain the reason for that in a moment. But here we see the babe leaps and the response of Elizabeth is she's being filled with the Spirit. And so you see her exclaim in prophetic utterance the wonderful works of God. And so we can see here, friends, that true joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. This isn't something you can go buy with money. I know for a lot of people today in America, they think joy can be bought with money. If you have enough money, you will have joy. If you have this possession or that possession, I'll have joy. Friends, the Bible says true joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're seeing it take place in Elizabeth's life. So it says, and it happened when she heard the greeting, the babe leaped in her womb. So the first person to respond, listen to this, the first person to respond to Mary's greeting is actually not Elizabeth, it is John the Baptist. And so here we see that prophecy, that word of the angel prior to Zacharias' being fulfilled. Gabriel said that the child will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. And we're seeing that fulfilled right here. The babe leaping and then Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit. As I told you, when the Holy Spirit, when we read this filling of the Spirit, if we've been studying the Old Testament, we see that that accompanies prophetic utterance. In other words, when the Spirit comes upon somebody and the Scripture says they were filled, one of the things we see commonly is prophetic speech, inspired speech. Now, a lot of people, when they hear that word prophecy, they have mistaken understandings. For many people, prophecy simply means predicting the future. And that's it. That's all they think that word means. Prophecy means predicting the future. And friends, let me give you a more biblical definition. Because while there is a predictive element in biblical prophecy, there's times when there is no predictive element in biblical prophecy. So obviously, if you have a prophet and they're prophesying and there's no prediction, well, then prophecy must be something bigger. It can include that, but it must be bigger. So how can we define prophecy? And I would encourage you to write this down and just chew it over and keep it in mind as you think about the idea of prophecy and especially as you read the scriptures and encounter it happening. And you can ask yourself, hey, does this description Pastor Mike just gave me, does it fit what the Bible seems to say? And so here's how I would define prophecy biblically. Prophecy is divine insight into the past and present with implications for the future. Let me say that again. Biblical prophecy is divine insight into the past and present with implications for the future. And you actually see that being worked out right here in this prophetic utterance of Elizabeth. So let's unpack that a little bit. Verse 42, it says, Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
Now, this is not a prediction, friends. She's not telling the future. She's not saying, hey, this is going to happen in, in the last days or in a year from now or 10 years. That's, there's no prediction of the future. But notice what is happening. She has divine insight into the past and the present. Well, how so, you say? Well, let me point this out. So first of all, she says, blessed are you among women. Now, that word blessed in the Greek is in the perfect tense. And what the perfect tense is, it's a past action with continuing results. So famously, many people, you've maybe heard pastors use this before. They say when Jesus died on the cross and he says, it is finished, the Greek is tetelestai, which is in the perfect, which means what? What is Jesus saying? that it has been finished and it will have continuing results, which means it's not just done in the past, but we now need to make up for whatever uh, that we didn't get to enjoy by Christ's uh, substitutionary atonement. No, it's in the perfect, which means what Jesus did in the past on the cross has continuing results in our lives. That's what the perfect tense is. And so that's the tense being used here by Elizabeth. Blessed are you. In other words, you've already been designated by God in the past. And she's right, isn't she? Now, we don't know. There's two basic possibilities, past possibilities that Elizabeth is referring to. Number one, and quite on, uh, obviously and simply, she could be referring to the fact that the angel just announced to her about three or four days ago that she was blessed. Okay, so the angel came to her, announced to her that she's been the specially favored one chosen by God. And so at the very least, it was the past, the recent past, about three or four days ago, and it's continuing into the present. Another possibility is that she's referring to eternity past, the idea that God has made his decision from before the foundation of the world that this decision executed in time nevertheless was decided upon eternally within the Godhead. And again, probably in the context we'd want to say, well, it definitely refers to the angels speaking this to her and announcing it, but I think it is theologically true to say that God had chosen Mary before the foundations of the world, that she would be the one who would be the mother of the Lord. And so both are true. But notice this, friends, the Holy Spirit inspiring prophetic utterance. At this point, it's not talking about the future, but rather divine insight into the past and present with implications for the future. Let's move on and see if that definition continues to work. She says, continuing in verse 42, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, this is this is divine insight, once again, into the past and the present with implications for the future. How in the world does Elizabeth know Mary's pregnant? You'll remember, friends, how long has Mary been pregnant at this point? Probably three or four days. She's only been pregnant three or four days. And yet when she walks in, she is given by the Holy Spirit divine insight. This is the situation. 
This is what's going on. And I think this is so important because when we talk about the gift of prophecy for today, it isn't just about predicting the future. That, that's a part of it. But I think very, very importantly, friends, what we need the gift of prophecy for today is we need insight into what's going on right now. What should we be doing? What is this really about from God's perspective? Not just humanize. How do, how do humans, how do sinful, fallen, finite human beings see this situation? No. How does God see this situation? How does God want us to see this situation. That's prophetic insight. And so we're actually seeing it here as well. Just three or four days pregnant, Elizabeth is able to know that Mary is pregnant and furthermore, that her the fruit of her womb it will be blessed, past, present, and future. Notice as we move on to verse 43, she says, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Notice the humility of Elizabeth. And again, when the Holy Spirit's moving, friends, these are the kinds of things we see. We see joy. We see faith. We say mission. We see humility. You know, many times in the world when something really good happens to somebody else, and, and it's maybe better than their situation, or they got a position or a promotion that's higher than yours, sometimes people are like, uh, I'm not happy. Or they might even try to knock you down a notch and be like, well, well that's not that cool, you know, or, or something like that. But notice the humility of Elizabeth. She's happy. She's overjoyed with her lot in life, with what God has given her. But she sees what God has given Mary. She even sees that it's great. And yet she is able to receive it in all humility. Who am I but to receive this? And friends, let me say to you today that this is the humility with which all of us must receive the Christmas story, the gospel message of Jesus Christ with total humility. The only people that cannot receive the true spirit of Christmas are those who are proud those who refuse to humble themselves, those who think highly of themselves. But if we are like Elizabeth, who's a model of humility here, and we say to ourselves, who am I that Jesus should die for me? Who am I that the God of heaven would send his son to leave his heavenly throne and, and to be born in an animal stable, in an animal shelter, to an unknown poor mother and father in a town of no repute. Why? Why would you do? Who am I? Who am I that you would die for my sins? My sins would be an argument against you dying for me. I mean, it's the very fact I am a sinner. You shouldn't die for me. Who am I, Jesus? Who am I that you would do this for us? And yet that is the humility that the Lord is looking for when we recognize our unworthiness, and yet we are welcoming the grace of God, even though we know we don't deserve it. But in a sense, that's where the joy comes from, knowing we've been given something that is genuinely a gift, not of works, so that no one can boast. Let's move on to verse 44. She says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now notice, friends, that here Elizabeth interpret. this is prophetic. So when Mary comes in, it says the babe in Elizabeth's womb, that's John the Baptist, leaps for joy. 
Now, I think we're all probably familiar with the phenomenon that a baby in the womb can move around and respond to voices. I remember particularly my son, Michael Aaron, was very responsive to my voice. Whenever I would get off work and I would come home when my wife was pregnant with Michael and I would just talk and she said he just gets so excited and he just starts jumping. So we know that that's a phenomenon and, and we're familiar with it. But notice that the Holy Spirit inspiring this prophetic speech, this insight, divine insight into this present moment, she interprets what was happening. In other words, this wasn't a mere coincidence that the baby in her womb began to move. Nor was this something that could not be attributed to personhood. But you will notice that the baby in Elizabeth's womb is a person, a full and complete person who is able to hear, who is able to respond, and who is able to act out, literally move with joy. And though John the Baptist, as an unborn baby, has no voice, yet he is able to respond through his movement. And God, through the Holy Spirit, gives Elizabeth a voice for the voiceless. And friends, I believe that that is the mission of Christians in this world, to be a voice for the voiceless, to be a voice for those who are unborn in the womb, who many people will not speak up for, they do not care for. I recently heard a, a person who calls himself a pastor and saying that he believes abortion is perfectly consistent with the Bible. And friends, that's abominable on so many levels. But here as we read this narrative, we see the affirmation of the personhood of the unborn. That John the Baptist here is hearing, moving, responding, and doing so out of joy. And so the Lord is giving Elizabeth a voice for the voiceless, something I believe you and I are called to do this Christmas and with the rest of our lives. Lastly, point number three, true joy rejoices at the joy of others. Number three, true joy rejoices at the joy of others. Look at verses 42 and 43. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Again, notice that joy is made complete when we share the joy of others. Let me say that again. True joy is made complete when we share the joy of others. One of the reasons many people in our culture today do not experience joy is because they think of joy as being something that belongs to them as individuals. That in other words, I should be able to just be completely disconnected from all other human beings, not care what they're doing or how they're doing or what's going on, and I should just be able to have joy. Joy with my life and what I'm doing. But that's, friends, not how true joy works. True joy is made complete through the joy of others. In other words, this is one of the reasons why Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, one of the reasons you experience blessing is because when you give, you are contributing to someone else's joy. 
Now, our sin nature and our selfishness oftentimes does not want to give to others. We don't want to give. We want to hold back and keep for ourselves. And here's the irony to that, friends. We do that because we think by holding back, by keeping my time or my money or what, I'm going to keep it to myself, mine, 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 just like Scrooge in The Christmas Carol. My kids were watching that the other day, and that, that's Scrooge. He's hanging on to every penny and thinking, oh, that, that's going to give me more joy. But here's the great irony, friends. The more we hoard life's gifts, the less we can enjoy them. It's only when we begin to learn that it is more blessed to give to receive, that when we contribute to the joy of others, then our own joy is made full. And so we see there's no competition here between Elizabeth and Mary, but rather mutual joy. And through the sharing of the good news of one another together, both of these women, joy is made complete. And the same is true for us. Friends, do you want to have a joyful Christmas? Then contribute to the joy of someone else. Get outside of ourselves and what I want and how I want this to be. And let's be a blessing to others. Let's increase their joy. Let's live out the truth of our Lord Jesus' statement. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And you'll see this whole section on true joy is wrapped up in a bow like a gift in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. Notice who is blessed. The one who believes. The one who hears this word of God believes it with all their heart and responds in action, that person is truly blessed. Blessed with true joy that comes from the real spirit of Christmas, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit through the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that just as the Holy Spirit prepared the way for Jesus that first Christmas, so he is today preparing the way this Christmas for us to receive the Jesus as Lord. And so it is my prayer now, Lord, that we would respond to you in our hearts and in our minds, in our actions, Lord, that we would commit ourselves fully and completely to the story of Christmas and the hope of the gospel and we pray that that true joy, which comes not from this world, but from the Holy Spirit, would be granted unto your people. And that, Lord, it would drive mission in our lives. That we would give our lives fully to the mission of the Great Commission, going into all the world, preaching the gospel to everyone. Lord, teach us to humble ourselves. Teach us to make our joy complete by sharing in the joy of others. Lord, we ask for a blessing now over your people, and we pray you would send us out into the world as your ambassadors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, for those of you that would like to continue this morning's worship through the act of giving, there are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can go on to our website, which is imagechurchoc.com, and there's a giving tab up at the top, and you can just click there, and you can give using either your debit or a credit card. 
For those of you that would prefer to mail in a check, you can do so to our church mailing address, which is 27762 Antonio Parkway, L is in Larry 514, and that's Ladera Ranch, California, 92694. Again, all that information is on our website, imagechurchoc.com. Um, just a few announcements this week. Uh, first of all, if you have any prayer requests or Bible questions, you can send those in to us two different ways. Number one, if you have a Facebook account, you can send it through the Image Church Messenger feature, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. The other ways you can use our email, which is information at imagechurchoc.com. That's information at imagechurchoc.com. Now, the big announcement, of course, for this week is we're going to have an in-person Christmas service next Sunday, December 20th, at 10.30 a.m. in San Juan Capistrano. And we'll be, uh, we'll be posting all the information on our Facebook page, and we'll also be sending that out in an email uh, during the week. So again, if you're in the South Orange County area and you would like to attend an in-person Sunday morning service, then you are invited to do so. We'd love to be able to have you. So again, that'll be 10.30 a.m. next Sunday, December 20th in San Juan Capistrano with more details to follow. Again, friends, I encourage you just to keep on pressing in to the spirit of Christmas, which is the Holy Spirit. Be open to the Spirit, respond to the Holy Spirit, and let's experience and share that true joy which comes from the Lord. Now, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing in order that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Have a Merry Christmas, a blessed week. If you like this video, if this was a blessing to you, feel free to like, comment, share, copy and paste the link, send it out. We want to share that joy of the Lord with as many people as we can. Hope to see you all soon. God bless you and have a great rest of your day.